Salutations, thriller and horror devotees. I am Melisette, your ardent hostess. On this podcast, I'll be reading stories, and each episode will be a chapter from a classic or a contemporary work. Sometimes I'll have special previews, science fiction, horror, thrillers. Uh, yeah, those are my specialties. When one book is complete, we will move on to another. It will be a pleasure if you accompany me through tales from the timeless past or maybe the dystopian future. Either way, let the ceremony commence. How y'all is? This is another episode of A Frightful Fret. I'm your hostess, Melisette. My opening tonight is a bit more somber. On Friday evening, I discovered that actor Chadwick Boseman died, and I want to reflect on that a little bit because this was such an important person in the acting community, in the black community, a huge inspiration to so many individuals, I can't even begin to explain it. But apart from that, the fact that this individual was sick for so long, nobody had any idea the fact that he was ill came as a complete shock to so many people. For that reason, I want to stop and tell all of you to let somebody that you care about know that you love them. Let people that are important to you know that you are thinking about them. These thoughts don't always cross our mind, but moments like this happen and it's important to reflect. Tell your friends you love them. Tell everybody you love them. The word love exists for a reason. Don't be afraid to use it. That's why it's there. And whether you agree or disagree, the fact that we're all connected, because there's a lot of things we can all have that argument about at the moment. We genuinely are, and we are going through a shared suffering at the moment with how 2020 has been. And I know that we have a lot of fun on this podcast. We have a lot of special guests and We do get our laughs in from time to time, but every once in a while, it's good to step back, remind everyone that this is recorded in real time, this is a reality, and while I am Melisette, I'm also a human being, and there's people out there that I care about a lot, and if you're listening to this, I care about you, and I never want anyone to feel like they're alone, and the person who's probably out there the most outgoing, the one who's laughing, that's probably the one who needs the most support because a lot of times it's those people who are suffering the most. So don't be afraid to let people know you're thinking about them. And that's all I have to say about that. Chadwick Boseman, Rest in Power, Hyphen Podcast Group, I love all of you, every single one of you, even our newest members. We brought in Obvious Nonsense this week. Well, actually, earlier this week, they came in. Their episodes drop on Fridays. I don't think we have a commercial for them yet, but you know what? They're part of our family now, and that's a love. We definitely have a squad going, and every time I get to post about them or talk about them, I light up, and I get joyful because... 
they're all so passionate about what they're doing and they're all special to me they're important to me even though some of them I've never actually met we've had calls we've done remote podcasts but that's part of what makes the world today so beautiful and unique right is that we're able to do these things and have these interactions with people that we might not have had the opportunity to in the past so here is a word from one of our lovely shows at the hyphen podcast group live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Crank, ruler, well, mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one, the Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Hagen, aka my best friend, Oroku Saki, aka the Shredder. And we've put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes, sports, and entertainment news. Stay all the way and hear who Saki has named as his Cretan of the Week, and find something valuable in the Shred Commendations. So we'll see you on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your pods are cast. The Shredhead Pod is a member of the Hyphen Podcast Group. London was our present point of rest. We determined to remain several months in this wonderful and celebrated city. Clerval desired the intercourse of the men of genius and talent who flourished at this time, but this was with me a secondary object. I was principally occupied with the means of obtaining the information necessary for the completion of my promise and quickly availed myself of the letters of introduction that I had brought with me, addressed to the most distinguished natural philosophers. If this journey had taken place during my days of study and happiness, it would have afforded me inexpressible pleasure. But a blight had come over my existence, and I only visited these people for the sake of the information they might give me on the subject in which my interest was so terribly profound. Company was irksome to me when, alone, I could fill my mind with the sights of heaven and earth. The voice of Henry soothed me, and I could thus cheat myself into a transitory peace. But busy, uninteresting, joyous faces brought back despair to my heart. I saw an insurmountable barrier placed between me and my fellow men. This barrier was sealed with the blood of William and Justine, and to reflect on the events connected with those names filled my soul with anguish. But Clerval, in him, I saw the image of my former self. He was inquisitive and anxious to gain experience and instruction. The difference of manners which he observed was to him and inexhaustible source of instruction and amusement. He was also pursuing an object he had long had in view. His design was to visit India, in the belief that he had in his knowledge of its various languages and in the view he had taken of its society, the means of materially assisting the progress of European colonization and trade.
in Britain only could he further the execution of his plan. He was forever busy, and the only check to his enjoyments was my sorrowful and dejected mind. I tried to conceal this as much as possible, that I might not debar him from the pleasures natural to one who was entering on a new scene of life, undisturbed by any care or bitter recollection. I often refused to accompany him, alleging another engagement, that I might remain alone. I now also began to collect the materials necessary for my new creation, and this was, to me, like the torture of single drops of water continually falling on the head. Every thought that was devoted to it was an extreme anguish, and every word that I spoke in allusion to it caused my lips to quiver and my heart to palpitate. After passing some months in London, we received a letter from a person in Scotland who had formerly been a visitor at Geneva. He mentioned the beauties of his native country and asked us if those were not sufficient allurements to induce us to prolong our journey as far north as Perth, where he resided. Clerval eagerly desired to accept this invitation, and I, although I abhorred society, wished to view again the mountains and streams and all the wondrous works which with nature adorns her chosen dwelling places. We had arrived in England at the beginning of October, and it was now February. We accordingly determined to commence our journey towards the north at the exploration of another month. In this expedition, we did not intend to follow the great road to Edinburgh, but to visit Windsor, Oxford, Matlock, and the Cumberland Lakes, resolving to arrive at the completion of this tour about the end of July. I packed up my chemical instruments and the materials I had collected, resolving to finish my labors in some obscure nook of the northern highlands of Scotland. We quitted London on the 27th of March and remained a few days at Windsor, rambling in its beautiful forest. This was a new scene to us mountaineers, the majestic oaks, the quantity of game, and the herds of stately deer were all novelties to us. From thence we proceeded to Oxford. As we entered the city, our minds were filled with the remembrance of the events that had been transa transact transacted sorry, transacted there more than a century and a half before. It was here that Charles I had collected his forces. This city had remained faithful to him after the whole nation had forsaken his cause to join the standard of Parliament and liberty. My memory of that unfortunate king and his companions, the amiable Falkland, the insolent Goring, his queen and son, gave a peculiar interest to every part of the city which they might be supposed to have inhabited. The spirit of elder days found a dwelling here, and we delighted to trace its footsteps. If these feelings had not found an imaginary gratification, the appearance of the city had yet 
in itself sufficient beauty to obtain our admiration. The colleges are ancient and picturesque. The streets are almost magnificent, and the lovely Isis, which flows beside it through meadows of exquisite verdure, is spread forth into a placid expanse of waters which reflects its majestic assemblage of towers and spires and domes embosomed among aged trees. I enjoyed this scene, and yet my enjoyment was embittered both by the memory of the past and the anticipation of the future. I was formed for peaceful happiness. During my youthful days, discontent never visited my mind, and if I was ever overcome by ennui, the sight of what is beautiful in nature, or the study of what is excellent and sublime in the productions of man, could always interest my heart and communicate elasticity to my spirits. But I am a blasted tree. The bolt has entered my soul, and I felt then that I should survive to exhibit what I shall soon cease to be, a miserable spectacle of wrecked humanity, pitiable to others and intolerable to myself. We passed a considerable period at Oxford, rambling among its environs and endeavoring to identify every spot which might relate to the most animating epoch of English history. Our little voyages of discovery were often prolonged by the successive objects that presented themselves. We visited the tomb of the illustrious Hampton and the field in which the Patriot fell. For a moment, my soul was elevated from its debasing and miserable fears to contemplate the divine ideas of liberty and self-sacrifice, of which these sites were the monuments and the remembrancers. For an instant, I dared to shake off my chains and look around me with a free and lofty spirit, but the iron had eaten into my flesh, and I sank again trembling and hopeless into my miserable self. We left Oxford with regret and proceeded to Matlock, which was our next place of rest. The country in the neighborhood of its village resembled, to a greater degree, the scenery of Switzerland, but everything on a lower scale, and the green hills want the crown of distant white alps, which always attended on the piney mountains of my native country. We visited the wondrous caves and the little cabinets of natural history where the curiosities are disposed in the same manner as in the collections of at Cervix and Chamonix. The latter name made me tremble when pronounced by Henry, and I hastened to quit Matlock, with which that terrible scene was thus associated. From Derby, still journeying northward, we passed two months in Cumberland and Westmoreland. I could now almost fancy myself among the Swiss mountains. The little patches of snow which yet lingered on the northern sides of the mountains, the lakes and the dashing of the rocky streams were all familiar and dear sights to me. Here also, we made some acquaintances who 
almost contrived to cheat me into happiness. The delight of Clerval was proportionably greater than mine. His mind expanded in the company of men of talent, and he found in his own nature greater capacities and resources than he could have imagined himself to have possessed while he associated with his inferiors. I could pass my life here, said he to me, and among these mountains I should scarcely regret Switzerland and Rhine. But he found that the traveler's life is one that includes much pain amidst its enjoyments. His feelings are forever on the stretch, and when he begins to sink into repose, he finds himself obliged to quit that on which he rests in pleasure for something new, which again engages his attention, and which also he forsakes other novelties. We had scarcely visited the various lakes of Cumberland and Westmoreland, and conceived an affection for some of the inhabitants when the period of our appointment with our Scotch friend approached, and we left them to travel on. For my own part, I was not sorry. I had now neglected my promise for some time, and I feared the effects of the demon's disappointment. He might remain in Switzerland and wreak his vengeance on my relatives. This idea pursued me and tormented me at every moment from which I might otherwise have snatched repose and peace. I waited for my letters with feverish impatience. If they were delayed, I was miserable and overcome by a thousand fears. And when they arrived, and I saw the superscription of Elizabeth, or my father, I hardly dared to read and ascertain my fate. Sometimes I thought that they fiend followed me and might expedite my remissness by murdering my companion. When these thoughts possessed me, I would not quit Henry for a moment, but followed him as his shadow to protect him from the fancied rage of his destroyer. I felt as if I had committed some great crime, the consciousness of which haunted me. I was guiltless, but I had indeed drawn down a horrible curse upon my head as mortal as that of a crime. I visited Edinburgh with languid eyes and mind, and yet that city might have interested the most unfortunate being. Clerval did not like it so well as Oxford, for the antiquity of the latter city was more pleasing to him, but the beauty and regularity of the new town of Edinburgh, its romantic castle and its environs the most delightful in the world, Arthur's Seat, St. Bernard's Well, and the Pentland Hills compensated him for the change and filled him with cheerfulness and admiration. But I was impatient to arrive at the termination of my journey. We left Edinburgh in a week, passing through Coupar, St. Andrews, and along the banks of the Tay to Perth, where our friend expected us. I, but I, was in no mood to laugh and talk with strangers, or enter into their feelings or plans of the good humor expected from a guest, and accordingly I took Clerval that I wished to 
make the tour of Scotland alone. Do you? said I. Enjoy yourself and let this be our rendezvous. I may be absent a month or two, but do not interfere with my motions. I entreat you. Leave me to peace and solitude for a short time, and when I return I hope it will be with a lighter heart, more congenial to your own temper. Henry wished to dissuade me, but seeing me bent on this plan, ceased to remonstrate. He entreated me to write often. I'd rather be with you, he said, in your solitary rambles, than with these Scotch people whom I do not know. Hasten then, my dear friend, to return, that I may again feel myself somewhat at home, which I cannot do in your absence. Having parted from my friend, I determined to visit some remote spot of Scotland and finish my work in solitude. I did not doubt but that the monster followed me and would discover himself to me when I should have finished that he might receive his companion. With this resolution, I traversed the northern highlands and fixed on one of the remotest of the or or Orkneys as the scene of my labors. It was a place fitted for such work, being hardly more than a rock whose high sides were continually beaten upon by the waves. The soil was barren, scarcely affording pasture for a new miserable, a few miserable cows and oatmeal for its inhabitants, which consisted of five persons whose gaunt and scraggly limbs gave tokens of their miserable fare vegetables and bread when they indulged in such luxuries, and even fresh water was to be procured from the mainland, which was about five miles distant. On the whole island there were but three miserable huts, and one of these was vacant when I arrived. This I hired. It contained but two rooms, and these exhibited all the squalidness of the most miserable penury. The thatch had fallen in, the walls were unplastered, and the door off its hinges. I ordered it to be repaired, bought some furniture, and took possession, an incident which would doubtless have occasioned some surprise had not all the sense of the cottagers been benumbed by want and squalid poverty. As it was, I lived ungazed at, and unmolested, hardly thanked for the pittance of food and clothes which I gave so much, does suffering blunt even the coarsest sensations of men. In this retreat, I devoted the morning to labor, but in the evening, when the weather permitted, I walked on the stony beach of the sea to listen to the waves as they roared and dashed at my feet. It was a monstrous yet ever-changing scene. I thought of Switzerland. It was far different from this desolate and appalling landscape. Its hills are covered with vines, and its cottages are scattered thickly in the plains. Its fair lakes reflect a blue and gentle sky 
and when troubled by the winds their tumult is but as the play of a lively infant when compared to the roarings of the giant ocean in this manner i distributed my occupations when i first arrived but i proceeded in my labor it became every day more horrible and irksome to me sometimes i could not prevail on myself to enter my laboratory for several days and at other times i toiled day and night in order to complete my work it was indeed a filthy process in which i was engaged during my first experience a kind enthusiastic frenzy had blinded me to the horror of my employment my mind was intently fixed on the consummation of my labor my eyes were shut to the horror of my proceedings but now i went to it in cold blood and my heart often sickened at the work of my hands thus situated employed in the most detestable occupation immersed in a cold solitude where nothing could for an instant call my attention from what the actual scene in which i was engaged my spirits became unequal I grew restless and nervous. Every moment I feared to meet my persecutor. Sometimes I sat with my eyes fixed on the ground, fearing to raise them, lest they should encounter the object which I so much dreaded to behold. I feared to wander from the sight of my fellow creatures, lest, when alone, he should come to claim his companion. In the meantime, I worked on, my labor was already considerably advanced. I looked towards its completion with a tumultuous and eager hope, which I dared not trust myself to question, but which was intermixed with obscure forebodings of evil that made my heart sicken in my bosom. Thank you for getting through another chapter with me. This one was far more upbeat than in the last episode. Henry and Victor went to Scotland in this chapter. And once there, they parted ways in unfriendly terms. And Victor started his laboratory in a little hut in a very poor area where he could have privacy to create a companion for his creation. So the creator was creating, and we don't know where he's at in that process yet, but I'm sure we will soon find out, and I do hope you will be with me for that revelation in the next chapter or the chapter after. As always, it is a pleasure to have you with me on a Frightful Fret. You can find us on social media at Melisette. That's where you'll find me. It's my show, and there's not really a designated A Frightful Fret page, but there is a FrightfulFret.net if you're not sure where to listen to us, which would be confusing if you're listening to us now, right? As always, you can look up hyphen podcast group at hyphenpodcastgroup.com, and they are also on the socials. You can find them on Patreon to make a contribution and help keep them 
putting out great material and picking up new shows for all of you to listen to. And I hope that you enjoy them as much as I do. It's always fun when we get a new one. And as I mentioned earlier, we're a family. So yes, hugs to everybody and hugs to my audience. Anyone who's listening, thank you. I cannot say thank you enough. And yet I thank you every week. And you know what? I'm never going to stop thanking you. Never, ever, ever. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you all have a wonderful week ahead. I will be with you at 9 p.m. next Saturday night for the next chapter. Wherever you reside in this space and time of the universe, I hope that you enjoyed the moments we shared together. Until next time, Avita Zane.